Our story features layers of betrayers, death of creators, multiverse invaders, legends of twilight and astral crusaders. If your eyes are open, they should be closed in prayer, cause every one of your allies bows to the same mind flayer. Roll the dice if you must, as you stare at your slayers. After all, legends are made by defying soothsayers. Last time on Oppressed by Sun, our heroes visited several strange professors at Sijim University. They decided to accept a mission from Professor Alatar to free General Huesa from prison and install him as Baron. Now they are headed to the capital city of Vesuvius to complete their mission. Season 2, Episode 9, A Sinking Feeling. You guys leave the university, mm -hmm. head down the long cliff face trail down to the docks. Uh, down at the docks you see the, uh, the, the shadowy elf with the uh, light tattoos. He's just standing there watching you approach. Your chest is right there next to him with the lock. Open the box! Half not opens the box. And the box is got all of your stuff in it. Boom. We gear up again. Uh-huh. I yeah. put my necklace on and just smile. She travels with you as does Liddell. Liddell just sort of is right behind Barry in a little bit. It's sort of like a little tank. Where are, you, where are your friends, Teresa? Oh, I... They'll find us. I hope they can fly or swim. <laughs> oh, don't worry. So you guys make it to the boat. Mm-hmm. Okay. Teresa climbs on board. She shakes everyone's hand on, on the ship. Goldie says, well, I guess this is the first time I've ever seen someone leave the university. Mm hmm. <laughs> yes, and they're, they're passengers paying a fare. Well, they do. Shh, don't that. I think a strong 10% is should be coming my way. Oh, of course. Well, they're friends of the university. We figured we'd better get in the good graces. Better than nothing. Baron's like, wait a minute, I thought we were charging him 30 ahead. Mm -hmm. You said that out loud? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, he says, well, at least you have one honest, outstanding individual. I just kind of like elbow him. I elbow him as he says that really hard in the, the room cage. It's like, ow! Careful! <laughs> Alright, so he's, he's already bringing the boat about. He seems kind of anxious to get out of here. He, uh, you hear from the crow's nest above, you hear, Vessel ahead, rowboat, small. Oh, Are those your friends, Teresa? So this little small rowboat, barely big enough for three people, rows up to the uh, side of the boat. What looks like a half-orc, possibly, in uh, no armor whatsoever, carrying a massive axe. Uh, in fact, he has very little clothing at all. Uh, you also see a uh, an elf, uh, uh, what looks like a wood elf, um, and uh, seems druidic, possibly. Um, indigenous? Indigenous, yes. Some sort of uh, lizard creature. With silver scales? He's very shiny. Like a half dragon? Like he looks like... You guys have encountered lizard... Or some of you have encountered lizard people before once. Mm -hmm. uh, those were sort of a sandy mottled color. This looks exactly like that except it is bright polished silver. Well, get on up here, guys. Okay. They all climb on board. And then we all Can I pull the rowboat above. Yeah, we attach the rowboat. Oh yeah, you pull, pull the boat. It seems to fit nicely under your feet. Great. Hey guys, thanks for the boat. As you guys pull the rowboat up, you uh, also notice that Vivi has changed the name of the boat once again. <laughs> <laughs> you see the words whalebane etched oh, in the side. 
like etched in there with a with an axe, like all clumsy. <laughs> Painted in blood this time. Whale blood. Uh, they, they climb aboard. None of them speak. They all look at her first. Teresa comes forward and sort of pats the other indigenous on the shoulder. They all sort of just come on board. None of them speak, though. Teresa seems to speak for all of them. Uh, they'll be happy to share a room, whatever's necessary. With all of you having your own room, we don't have enough space, but some of you would keep together. It would be I rush off to my quarter and lock the door. <laughs> Half nod is right behind you. Sails filled with air, all uh, at, at command, and you guys start taking off at a great pace. She comes on the deck and she looks around. And she looks at, uh, let's say, Varian who's on deck. And she says, Oh, Master Varian, this is quite a ship you have here. I love your wind effect. Like, uh, oh, yes. Uh, we're, sort of we're, blonde hair is floating in the wind. We're quite fond of it. Yes, it's, it's wonderful. It's yeah. so, would you, uh, would you like to learn a thing or two about potion making? Well, I suppose there's worse ways to spend my time. <laughs> That's the spirit. <laughs> I'm gonna show her a thing or two, but I want to, uh, craft a potion of, uh, uh, that greater restoration. And at some point, we're gonna make a dinner, and we're gonna invite Teresa and her friends to it. And okay. Yeah, probably gonna... in the first evening. Yes, okay. and we we're are going have... to talk to, I want to talk to that silver lizard folk. When we're, when we're out of earshot of everybody else, I do want to tell everybody, um, it's like, so, uh, my mother used, used to use the, uh, uh, time scale of, uh, the year of our creator, and, uh, I believe we're about 1,500 years before our time. What? Yeah. How the heck did you see Magnolia? Well, she's a dryad. She's, uh, ageless. <laughs> Half Knot has been bounced around between times without even knowing what was going on in the world for the last 35 or 40 years. He's not surprised by wacky ass shit. But you did hear uh, the enchanting Professor Daria tell you that. You should return home. You should return home. That also piqued my interest that. I'm dying to return home. Now, I was trying to figure out whether he meant temporally or geographically. But I think I would have to try geographically because I don't think I'm gonna solve the other problem just. Where is your home? Teresa. Hi! 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 <laughs> Do you happen to have a world map? Or a map? I do. Might we see it? Oh. Mm. Well we that would be quite interesting. Basically she tells you about the Silver Empire to the north. She mm -hmm. says there's a city there called the Motherland. I do not recommend going there at this time. I hear there's a great civil war. There is. The Many people are fleeing. Two, refugees. Two independent city-states on the coast to the south are fighting against the motherland. But they are losing quite badly. Why is that? I'm not privy to all the details, but there has been changes in management of the Silver Empire. Mm. Well, would your lizard friend here know any more about that? He knows more about uh, the Silver Empire than I do, Hmm, yes. So, what's his name? His name is Lustrous. Lustrous Perling. Lustrous Perling. Uh, you guys go to dinner, and uh, everyone is there, including all of, all of her people. And uh, it seems that the lizard didn't clear to talk to you, perhaps. Um, and he approaches the cleric, and sort of his uh, his eyes are he's a silver scaled lizard with uh, with white eyes. His eyes don't have any people. Um, and he wears no clothing. Every scale is shining reflective sheen, and uh, as he Looks at looks at you to talk. His tongue sort of flicks out, tasty, like a tasty in your essence. 
Yes, I, I find that the path that Tom Moons has put me on is quite an unusual one indeed. Filled with people from distant lands and other people, refugees from other distant lands. I seem quite intrigued by, by your story. I know nothing of the Civil War to the north, and I'm sure your people have an interesting perspective on it. I have much perspective on the Civil War. Those filthy immortals trying to kill our leaders, our beautiful queen. What happened? They killed our queen and took over after their faithless Alnuad betrayed them. You mean, are you, are you immortal? Me? Of course not. I am. I am speaking, of course, of the, of the Golden One. So when did the Golden Ones come into your, like, area? They've always been there. Strong allies. And then one day, they just all of a sudden, after Alnawath split, all of a sudden, they just rained down fire on you people? Assassinated the queen and declared <clears> themselves <throat> our rulers. And they always worked with the queen before. It is said that Alnawath strikes the fear of the world. Alnawath is the same immortal that fled to the fire realm. Mm-hmm. And is living there now. And is apparently sending fire stalkers to just burn the world? Do you know anything of this? Yes. He hopes to take over Vesuvius to use it in his war. We seek to stop him. I don't know. Maybe we should stop the other ones. We need to ally with Alzheimer. Only he stands against the immortals now. Why do you think Alduath would be sending fire elementals to the southern lands if his quarrel is in the north? I can only presume that he intends to take over and use the armies of Vesuvius to fight against the other immortals. Uh, they have worked on. Just sort of eats quietly. I try and strike up a conversation with him. What's your name? He looks over at uh, at uh, at Teresa, who sort of gives him a little bit of a, of a nod. He says, oh, "I'm a I'm to, I'm, I'm Torvus." Torvus, where are you from? My my clan, my my parents, they live in the mountains. Mountains. Where are the mountains? To the to the, the west northwest of Vesuvius. Okay. My my clan, they they kicked me out. Why? Why that? I failed past the test, manhood. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. I think your test was just overrated. Actually, I would easily have passed. I was cheated. I'm very sorry to hear that. Well, what was uh, what was unfair about it? How were you cheated? We must all venture solo into the mountains. We must fail one of them. Beastly frost giants that prey upon us. Single combat. But giants were warned. Mm. They fought me together, and I was forced to run. Who would have wanted you to be sabotaged in your trial? My brother. Mm, jealous brother of a different mother? Yes, very Did much you kill so. Him? No, I am not welcome there. No, he is he is in mind to be cheap. You want us to Ah. He looks over at Teresa. He says, uh, nothing. What is the name of your brother? Sorefoot! If we come across him, I'll make sure we take care of him for you. We'll give him a real sore foot. I make no promises, but if we come across him, we'll make sure that he suffers for the wrong. He gives you a stout, a stout nod. How did you come to travel with Teresa? Looks over at Teresa. I bring on board those lost souls who are in need of purpose. I'm talking to Tarfoot. 
your brother I'm sorry for you. Yeah. Can, can he and I not have a conversation? Like, why does he have to get your permission? He eyeballs you. Auxiliaries should speak when spoken to and given permission. She bobs her hair a little bit at you. Alright, if that's how you feel. But I feel auxiliaries should speak freely amongst one another. Obviously, you have a unusual way of interacting with your master. An amazing way. Yeah, it's pretty fucking dope. You gotta try it. And then I just go back and end the conversation and start eating. And the other indigenous. There's another indigenous, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, there is. Her, like, her, her boyfriend or whatever. Seems to, they seem to have some sort of relationship. Mm-hmm. And we'll have a long time to get to know each other on our way. I can smell the phasers on you, man. What's going on here? Yeah? Yeah? <laughs> There's just this uncomfortable <laughs> silence for a minute. Cause it sounds like, yeah. And then the crunching continues, and she says, You know, I don't think this dinner was that good of an idea. This was a beautiful idea. We got to know you so well. Hey, we're from the crunch. future. I certainly do have questions for you. <laughs> you clearly don't understand our culture whatsoever. You're clearly not from here. Mm-hmm. You have a chosen one who I've never heard of. That There are no chosen ones I've never heard of. And the, <laughs> the cleric works with you. Yeah. I feel like you are far more informed than we originally anticipated. <laughs> far more insightful, you mean? Not so, uh, not quite so ditzy? The Lord Tom Moons has truly drawn us together for a reason. Ah, yes, your, your great lord is certainly something. She rolls her eyes deeply. She I knows! I don't think she <laughs> believes. I would like to use my insight at this particular juncture when she's starting to get agitated. Surface thoughts, and, and before I do it, I say, it's starting to seem like things run like the paradise realm around here. And at that moment, I read her thoughts. Oh, of course they've come from paradise. I should have thought of that. Then I go deeper. Uh, you hear? I, sh- I should get off this boat right away. I don't like this crew. I don't know what's going on here. Why are they working with you? Why is the cleric working with the university? <laughs> I'm scurrying about making sure that all their drinks are full at all times. Teresa. The orc and the wood elf. They drink heavily. Heavily. The others do not. They do not touch their drinks. Uh, Teresa, what's wrong with your drink? I, uh, an unusual situation for the uh, unknown people. I too many kid nine bits about me, my friend. Do you know that this offends me? <laughs> you wouldn't offend his culture, would you? Our dwarf makes fine wine. I assure you, one glass won't. Perhaps at least a toast. A toast! She looks at Barry and she says, To the safe you're journey. Your auxiliaries are quite forward, Master Barry. Oh, oh yes, I, uh, I believe it is most effective to uh, not suppress their uh, their free minds. Damn straight. Mm. Teresa, at least at least one toast to you. Mm-hmm. Her nose is like all scrunched up, but she's like she lifts her glass, to sort of half-heartedly gives you a clink. To new friends and new adventures. To new friends and new adventures. And the same. To you. knowing your place. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she takes sort of a half sip. She sort of sips it. I, I refill her glass to the top. To the <laughs> she puts it down. That Sijim University is a very odd place indeed. We had been there only once, our first time, and I find something very disturbing, very disturbing indeed about the situation. There were sneaky shadows about, and 
people with, with alternative motives. In fact, you were the only person on which I could feel I could trust in that university, which is why I really brought you on board to give you your passage to where you needed to go. I feel like you know many things that could help us find the right path. So at, on the surface, you hear, oh, he doesn't know. She knows that I tried to read her mind, but the next thing that she says has to be an off-color, horrible joke, and it needs to be about her boyfriend. She looks over and she says, she, she looks over at, at your group and she says, you know, I've seen, I've seen some real men in my days, but Charlton here, he just, he just doesn't measure up, if you know what I mean. And she starts snickering at her own joke, and like, Charlton, he's like four drinks in. I look over at Charlton. He like looks over and like he sort of spills his drink a little, and then like sets it back up. <laughs> it still doesn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> And then she glares at you with like daggers. You need to roll a wisdom save. Half knot is doubled over. Half knot suddenly stands up and walks over to Barry. He says to you, Barry, uh, would you mind standing up? Why? As I get up slowly. And he attempts to pull your pants down. <laughs> roll a uh, roll an attack roll, half knot. Natural 20. Varian, before you can get your hands down, like your whole pants are down, and like you didn't wear your clean underwear today, like you haven't actually <laughs> had any really clean, clean, clean underwear. And these are stained and they are real ugly, and like the whole dinner table, like it's a bunch of clattering forks, and like a seaweed's over there just cracking up. How does that measure up? <laughs> I will just clap. There's no way a charm spell would prevent him from laughing his ass off. <laughs> just Charles, give, do you feel better or worse or just about give this? Just like, a look, like a really precious look. Just be like, is this how all dinner parties go? <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is our first, you know, dinner party. It can be a tradition. <laughs> yeah, we're starting <laughs> we're, I know. We're starting a good tradition now. Even, even uh, so Charlton at this point is cracking up. Right? Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the, the wood elf. He seems to have been caught in a drunken laughter at this point, even though uh, she sort of smacks him on the arm. He just keeps laughing. Uh, while me and all the orcs over there chuckling behind his behind behind his like elbow, you know, kind of eyes down, and uh, the uh, the silver the silver uh, lizard seems to have no reaction. I look at her and I give her a bright smile, the biggest thumbs up. She ignores you. And then I I look at him giving the thumbs up to her, and I'm just like more confused and kind of angry, but don't say anything. Teresa, I implore you to utilize us as a resource. Perhaps we can help each other. Let me tell you a little bit about us. We, um, from a different time, and we don't have a big dog in the fight here, other than we don't want what happens in our time. To happen. She leans in. She says, if you're from the future, then you must know who wins the fight between Aluath and the Immortals. Which is the one that wants to take over the world. So far, it was seen that the ones who are against Aluath, the ones who are currently oppressing all the silver-scaled lizard folk to the north. Aluath loses. I just tell her. That seems unlikely. But you're from the future. She sort of... After five drinks, five <laughs> glasses of wine... <laughs> 
You become the expert on Sun Elven oh, history. Sorry, you have some memories. <laughs> Remember, there are ten Sun Elves total that live and control everything in your time. As far as you know, there have always been ten Sun Elves. But he has no names. No names. But those of you who have been to those of you who have been to the underwater city, the underwater paradise of Lethal Sphere, can roll an intelligence check. Yeah. When Cephelia Red Coral was telling you uh, of the uh, sites and attractions of oh, Lethal Sphere, yeah. right, she told you names of some of them. Amongst them was the name Alnuak. Mm. And Alnuak had an estate in Lethal Sphere, as did a number of other Sun Elf families. Mm. I think. Uh... My memory serves, leave Elnawath, uh, maybe one of the conquerors of our time. Maybe, maybe not, dude. Who knows how long that house was left open and vacant, you know? Uh, she says, oh, it's been a pleasure, of course, Master Varian, and, uh, mm-hmm. And she, uh, she, she walks out, they all sort of fall right behind her. I, I do want to try to catch her, uh, alone, or while she's leaving <clears> at some point. I don't know what your hesitance is about your, uh, your origin, but, uh... However anyone else may feel about the drow, I've, I've met enough of them to know that there's there should be no shame in it, whatever the social circumstances of. She sort of bounces her blonde hair and looks at you with big, big blue eyes. She says, well, shame isn't an issue, sir. What's an issue is, how loves me. And then she sort of turns and walks away. So during the evening, uh, Half-Not is going to sneak over to the room Okay, so I'm gonna go to the other two, not the elves, and and listen at the door. All right, you approach and you hear uh, the, the half orc grunting to the other. Oh, I hope you don't have to go to another. One of those that was awkward. We'll go across the way to the other, to the other, the other. Oh uh, yeah, you hear some uh, bump, bump, bump sounds. Oh, that's awkward. No, I'm leaving. But that's awesome. After an awkward evening. Our heroes finally hit the high seas, traveling quickly thanks to the banner of the favoring wind, whereas Siwi finds a chance to approach Teresa about their misunderstanding. And you approach Teresa. Teresa, I am sorry about our own foot, but I will try to respect your relationship with your stories. But do feel free that if, if you're okay, I, I'm a social person and I would like to be able to communicate Because you and I share a uh, gender. I, I would say agree. Mm. Not be answered. Our relationship is different than what you and your auxiliaries have, so I'm going to respect yours if you just respect that we all view ourselves as equals, and it's just different. I'm not going to try and change yours. While your beliefs are quite strange, I will respect you. And I do as well. And I will try not to address your auxiliaries unless you give them permission to. Please. You know, smart women like you should be. It's very tempting, but I've been traveling with, her, with my minister <coughs> um, for a while now. And uh, I've, we've grown quite fond of each other in a, as a group. And you've grown fond of it, have you? You know what? We're going to be separating here in a matter of weeks, probably. We'll see what happens. Says, it's not worth the world, isn't it? It's true. You have not. Once again, just before you see Lynx climb down from her cat nest, you, the, the ocean beneath you darkens for five, six minutes, and then passes. And she climbs down and speaks to Goldie again. 
you notice this becoming a pattern every week or two. Alright, I would like to go climb up and join Link's top. You climb up there? Um, she's, she sort of looks over and she says, Hey boy. Hey there, kitty kitty. Did you bring your comb? Yeah. Oh yeah, comes right out of the back pocket. She like that snuggles up to you, you know, like uh, when your like, shoulders like sort of rubbing against you, and like uh, just sort of uh, all of a sudden you realize how furry she is. Start with the tail and move up from there. All right, you start coming here and you just hear this low. I was like, so what's the shadow? What's the shadow in the water? Oh my boy. We are all destined to die, but I, I think our ship might be destined to die sooner than. Does that have anything to Does that have anything to do with the way that we acquired the, the ship in the first place? Oh yes. She sort of licks licks her lips a little bit. She says, "Mama Krakens, keep an eye on us." Why though? Why does it not just eat us now? Surely it, it tends to play with its prey. She says that she sort of bats uh, a little uh, string that is a. Uh, just like this rumbling purr, and uh, she a couple of times she sort of re- leans over and licks your ear, and her tongue is like scratchy. Mm, exfoliating. You guys sail onwards. Um, after uh, two and a half weeks, you, you see again a shoreline. Uh, it's a kind of a rocky shoreline, uh, sort of broken rocks, and you sail along it for a few days until you see a, a mouth of an of an enormous river. It's kind of a muddy river. It's it's slow moving. The, the river is very wide, perhaps a mile wide. The navigator smoothly rolls you into the river, and you begin traveling much slower now that you're moving against the current, but still, you know, traveling up upstream with no paddling. The all of the uh, guests come out on deck and seem quite impressed that you guys are able to buck the current with no manpower mm-hmm. um, and uh, head upstream. Uh, you come. Rouse Half-Knot, who had been probably sleeping on the top of one of Nippy's barrels, having snuck into his room when he was out for a moment, got trashed. You'll get a croaking, you'll get a croaking hungover song, like, ah, wake me up before you go, go. Nippy is measuring and weighing his barrels. (laughs) (laughs) You notice a slight, just a tiny, tiny discrepancy. Oh, don't worry, though. I add water for what I drink. Salt water. <laughs> Awful lot of sharks about. The water, the water around you begins churning with sharks. Those of you on deck can notice pretty quickly. Mm. Be dozens of sharks following and tracking the boat here in the muddy water and out of the river. Behind, from behind us? They seem to appear from under you and just uh, sort of be all around you. Beneath the sharks, there was something else. There's something else under the sharks! They're four-armed creatures. They have green skin and fins about their faces. They carry long tridents. And they are uh, hiding just beneath the sharks. There are abominations under the sharks! Suddenly emerging on the backs of sharks are these four-armed creatures as they as they, as they appear above the water, they begin climbing up onto the boat. I started shoving on them back down. On all sides. You guys uh, see your boat being climbed up on all sides. They move for their rounds. As they go first, they will appear above the uh, sides of the boat on all sides and climb aboard in their round. Uh, and that leaves Kadeem. I am going to kick one off the edge. So he goes flying off the edge. Alright, one down. Whoa. He's going to 
I am kicking the another one off the edge. Okay. Uh, shift it to Albert. Alright, who's the right here? It's Barry. Right next to Barry, and cast Spiritual Guardians at level 5. A bunch of blades emerge all around Father John. As he walks along the deck of the ship, they just break into these, these, uh, these squishy creatures. Uh, it's just blood flying everywhere, greenish oozy blood flying everywhere. It's, uh, it's just a madhouse of damage. I pull out my javelin of lightning that has a rope tat attached to the end of it. Um, and I yell, YALEO! And curl it at the far one. Okay, a bolt of lightning strikes all four of them, but they seem relatively unfazed. As uh, it sort of kind of singes their backs a little. You have not. It's all on you, little buddy. You're way up in the crow's nest, you see beneath you a whole bunch. There is in the water, riding a shark, a female, all of these on the decks of the man. Does is she holding a weapon? Holding a staff. Heat metal. Acrobatics is 27. I do it with a flourish. Yeah, you, you sort of you sort of jump off like you're doing a high dive. You tuck three flips in the air and land on your feet. And then I hop right up, give Kitty a little bow, and cast heat metal on my friend, the female commander. 20 damage and the water is boiling with steam around her. You guys feel the boat begin to rock wildly as a, a, just, a, just a, a horde of sharks, what is it, a, a, a school of sharks just begin to shred into the boat, ripping and tearing it, horrible sounds as, as you hear with Goldie up on the, uh, up on the uh, captain's deck, uh, just begin to, oh no, this is terrible, they're ruining everything, as they're shredding the boat from end to end under the water. Uh, with great dramatic intent, I pull out my bow of viciousness, glowing and already primed, and I aim it right at the center of that lady right there. There's a gasp from <laughs> Liddell and from, uh, from Teresa. Like a, <gasps> um, and I got an 11! That was just a warm up! And the arrow flies into the water. A big <laughs> arrow again goes wild, and, and uh, the demon bow sort of sizzles at you. Vicious. That's a warning shot. Leave now and no harm will come to you. Two warning shots. <laughs> I'm going to take my blood eye dagger and throw it at my friend, the, the controlling lady. It stabs into her chest and she sort of uh, snarls at you. Yeah. You can see her hands are burning. Sizzling, blackening, uh, with a stink, with a stench, uh, but she snarls at you and holds tight on the staff. The boat begins to rock wildly as the sharks begin to shred parts of the underbelly. I gave the boat a 10% chance of sinking and I rolled a D100, where I rolled a 001. Is it 001? Yeah. That's one, yeah. So if it's a 4% chance of something happening, it happened. Join us next time on Oppressed by Sun as our heroes attempt to repair their boat and continue their mission. As always, you can join us at oppressedbysun.com, where we got maps, lore, and a whole lot more. Thanks for listening. See ya.